gas and oil prices mm-hmm. can dramatically impact what small success and wins we've had with inflation. Absolutely. And we've seen some things lately that concern me mm-hmm. about gas prices. The U.S. has ordered all U.S. citizens or advised them to get out of Russia. Mm-hmm. Right? Conflict. Not good. Not good. We've had these Chinese spy balloons and miscellaneous objects. Now five of them shot down in recent weeks. So many questions there. So many questions. The vernacular, the choices of what, what they're telling us, what they're not telling us. Right. It's all weird. Right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is this could be that geopolitical event that we've been talking about. Yeah, that you That's the disruption. Up. Right. I've been saying this for over a year now. A geopolitical event could really, really throw things off the rails as mm-hmm. far as our economic recovery goes. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Let's go. Throwback. You wait for me to push the button the entire time. I was not. I I looked at you. Let's go. Okay, everybody. Half of Americans say they are worse off the most since 2009. Mm-hmm. After that lovely little article, we're going to swing over to the Federal Reserve issues new restrictions on crypto banking. Site's favorite topic. Two more shoes to drop in the real estate market. The shoes to drop article is actually quite exceptional. We're going to spend a lot of time on that one. And I hope people go to the show notes and actually take time to read that all the way through. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. I think we should probably read a good portion of it. Not all of it, but I, I want to talk about the shoes to drop anecdote too. I think that was cool. I thought it was really cool. Uh, more homes in San Francisco are selling below asking price. Could this trend come to L.A.? Spoiler alert. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it now takes roughly 13 years to save for a down payment in New York. Yeah, that article's a little fluffy. We got but, questions. Yeah, but we'll work with it. And some miscellaneous things from stable coins and Binance and ah, a couple companies we know laying off more people. But let's spend some time with Half of Americans say they're worse off the most since 2009. This is a Bloomberg article. 50% say their financial situations are worse than a year ago. Americans more upbeat about the future, according to a Gallup poll, <laughs> which is a very big contradiction. Yeah. I'm not understanding. Like, what, what Am I supposed to feel good about this? Am I supposed to feel bad about this? Like, What, what, what does this mean? Yeah. I'm sure it's a bad thing. I'm de- I mean, look, worse off than a year ago. Obviously, with where the economy has been going, where interest rates have gone, credit card payments are probably through the roof. We already know people can't afford a $400 emergency expense. So, of course, they're in a worse off position. All right. Well, let me dive in a little bit more. 
An even greater portion of lower-income Americans said they were losing ground, according to the January 2nd through 22nd survey. About 61% of those with a household income of less than 40000 reported they were worse off, compared to 49% and 43% for the middle and high-income household, respectively. Mm. Gallup noted high inflation, rising interest rates, and declining stock values, which is foreshadowing to conversations we're going to have later in the show, Right, likely weighed in on Americans' financial situations. That said, respondents remain upbeat about their future financials, uh, financials, finances, whatever, despite <laughs> looming concerns about a recession. I feel like you're doing it on purpose now. Come no, on, man. man. Look, look. You almost made it. You're at home stretch. I know sometimes it looks like I'm dyslexic or sounds like that way, but that's not dyslexic, man. You wouldn't read things backwards sometimes. You didn't read it. You just you changed the word. You made a, you made a whole new word. At the kick. I know sometimes I sound stupid. <laughs> all right, but it's not because I can't read. I know. I, I know. swear. I know. You're... I mean, it is a little bit because I can't read, but it's I can't read at night because I'm, it's been a long day. I'm tired. Yeah. And all parts of my body hurt from being lasered. I'm yeah. kidding. Not it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many comments about that too. By the way, respect to you, sir. For you, what? Did, you did what you said you were going to do. I, I got to be honest. You said, you said if you FaceTime me, FaceTime me at 6.30 tomorrow while I'm getting my laser treatment done, I'll answer. Did I say that on the show? I don't you, remember if I did or not. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you did. So on the episode that comes out tomorrow, you said it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, so here's the worst part is that whole experience, we'll take a little sidebar before we get into to, to crypto, okay? <laughs> Let's take a little, little trip down memory lane. Right. So I was nervous walking in i've had laser before i've been you know i've done some things i mean if you weren't nervous for this there the, we'd have a serious problem well and it was worse than i thought mm. like so my nurse was 24 young right and um, i'm like okay like how many right how many of these situations has she been in before right we get back there and i thought there was going to be like a warm-up she's mm -hmm. like okay just go ahead and um take off undress <laughs> and then just lay right here and i'm like yeah. Do I get something to cover up? Dang, no the, small talk first, just straight the to the berries like, and the giggle stick. stick. And they, they have like, they have like time. They're packed in. Mm -hmm. So she was just like, okay, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. So we got started on the front, right? But it's all out. Everything's out. You're not, you're not even covering it. Nothing. Yeah. So we're doing the front. We're doing the bikini line, right? Oh Obviously, I don't God, wear bikinis. So but, yeah. uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. And she's like, can you, can you move it to the side so I can laser <laughs> in between, right? Just give me. I was really hoping you would do that. She was, yeah, it's giving me direction, and it's very, very cold in there because the lasers heat you up. Oh, this is the excuse. No, no, this it's not the excuse. Is, I already said I was average this, before, this, but this, 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 is, this is visually, it's just not a good look, look right? I'm nervous. And yeah. like, yeah, and before you start to get undressed, you're like, it's cold in here, right? It's a little cold. It, no, it was it was freezing there. It's a, and that, that, I'm going to take you with me one time. You can see. You can hold my hand while I do it. But, <laughs> so I'm, I'm facing up. And she's doing this whole thing. There is no point where you start to feel more comfortable with this. No, yeah. Like, it, it's just not good. And she's, like, getting all the crevices and everything else. And then, like, maybe 15, 20 minutes in, I turn over. And oh I have my phones on the cabinet to my right. And you FaceTime me. Yeah. <laughs> and and, she, was, and I, she can see that a FaceTime call is coming in. She goes, sir, please don't answer that. And I said, no, I'm answering. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I have to. Right. So I grab the phone. And she's like, sir, please don't do that. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm answering. Yeah. And I go, boop, and I answer. And then the, the picture didn't come through. Right. It was a lag. It was a lag. And then I, I was like, damn it. So then it disconnected. 
Mm-hmm. And then you called back and then I answered and right in between you calling back and me answering mm-hmm. She's like sir. I really don't feel comfortable. I'm like you're not on camera and your entire face is covered You got a mask on glasses on the can't even see you. Yeah, yeah, exactly I'm the one whose ass is exposed here. I can't believe you answered that answered it. Yeah respect to you, sir Thank you. Yeah told you man you're a good man. I, I, I am not afraid of being honest with what I'm doing is coincidentally, I was you. at Odun's house when I when I called you. That's why he was there. Yeah, you two, <laughs> you two sick bastards. Okay, you so look so happy. Back to this Bloomberg article. You don't have a good segue for that one, do you? <laughs> no, 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 I, was, I was searching. <laughs> I was going through the Rolodex. No, no. I mean, look, the CPI print's coming out tomorrow. Yes, sir. As of this recording, today's the 13th. It comes out tomorrow, the 14th. Um, I think it's expected for that to come in kind of hot a lot of people are expecting that for it to stay as stagnant if not only dip just a little bit can you imagine how incredibly scary it would be for the economy if it went up oh my if god inflation i mean so we know gas prices went up a little bit so that that gas is is a very tricky thing for inflation yes and this actually is not supposed to be let's go off the rails again all right gas and oil prices mm-hmm can dramatically impact what small success and wins we've had with inflation. Absolutely. And we've seen some things lately that concern me mm-hmm. about gas prices. The U.S. has ordered all U.S. citizens or advised them to get out of Russia. Mm-hmm. Right? Conflict. Not good. Not good. We've had these Chinese spy balloons and miscellaneous objects. Now five of them shot down in recent weeks. So many questions there. So many questions. The vernacular, the choices of what, what they're telling us, what they're not telling us. Right. It's all weird. Right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is this could be that geopolitical event that we've been talking about. Yeah, that you That's you the disruption. Up. Right. I've been saying this for over a year now. A geopolitical event could really, really throw things off the rails as far mm-hmm. as our economic recovery goes. Right. And if that gas price ticks up as a response to any of these things that may happen. Because we know that it impacts so many different sectors, right? Yeah. and I'm, Everything down to agriculture, which can affect the food, right? right? Everything. So looking at core inflation, was, which excludes food and energy, mm-hmm. is not necessarily going to be okay. I mean, right. you're going to see the impacts of energy, i.e. gas costs, crude oil costs going up, mm-hmm. impacting all parts of even core inflation. Right. I don't, I don't know if you saw this, but the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, they're changing the way they look at the CPI report. Mm-hmm. You heard this? Yeah, I didn't get into the I don't know how I, I don't know how I feel about it because it, it, it benefits it in some categories and it hurts it in other categories. So I looked into it a little bit. It's now weighing prices on one-year comparison rather than a two-year duration they used previously. So in my mind, that means more volatility, not less. Okay, so therefore, food and energy will have smaller impact while housing will have a larger impact. Ooh, that's bad. Yeah, which we know housing makes up 33, 34% of the report. You have to have, so the next report gonna print with the new yes, version? Yes, apparently, that's what I read. Why would you change it in the middle of a recessionary economy? Where I know, I, so... I don't understand. Why are they changing the definition to a recession? That's Why like are they us, changing? <laughs> yeah, playing Monopoly, you pass and go and going, all right, from now on, you only get $100, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shit's getting out of hand. Yeah, you got too much money. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Straight to jail. Yeah, right to jail, right away. Yeah. Exactly. Th- that's weird. Why would they do that now? I don't know. Oh, I know why. Stupid. <laughs> An election's coming up. <laughs> oh, shocker. They're, they're like, how can we tweak this? Uh, anecdotally, mm-hmm. fun fact, you remember during Trump's presidency, uh, right, right towards the end when the next election came up, mm-hmm. and there was this whole like, "Are we gonna go to war with Korea? Are we not?" 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And there was a whole lot of war talk there. Mm-hmm. And if you recall, me as a friend, I was telling you, presidents during wartime scenarios generally have a higher probability of getting reelected. Yeah, of course. And here we are at the end of Biden's presidency. Mm-hmm. That threat. We got Russian threats. We got Chinese threats. All of this leading up to a November 24 election. Right. Wartime presidents have a higher probability of being reelected. Why is this a reoccurring theme every four years? Yeah. I'm know. not saying it's true. I'm just saying you can't deny the similarities. That's all I'm saying. Right. But your boy Trump didn't get reelected. He did not get reelected. Well, we weren't at war either. Yeah. But wartime presidents, mm-hmm. they can get there or they can strike the fear inside of you. Right. Inside of you. <laughs> but, you know, what's not helping people actually that are saying that they're worse off now than they are a year ago. You're really struggling with the segue. You're no, okay? I'm not. Was, it's, 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 no, one of the listeners actually one of the listeners actually sent me this article. You mean Misa? Yeah, Misa. Man, I didn't know she wanted to be referenced on the show like that. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she sent me this article on buying out pay later, pay later services, the biggest one being a firm, a firm holdings, right? Yeah, so, so I didn't see this until just before we got on the air. And I Bad, bad, very bad. This is this is un- unbelievable to me. I actually didn't know this. So they're searching for a new new sponsor banks to diversify the sources of loans. They're shifting to become more of an interest bearing loan company, right? Um, becoming more of a lender than a pay uh, payment services because company. because they're leaving money on the table, not charging higher interest. Huge, yeah, because they've experienced a slowdown in growth, which the article goes on to reference. I didn't know this. So their whole model when they first came out, when they first started, right, was interest. Free payments, four right. payments, yeah. right? To get whatever it is you're they buying. They charge the point person at the point of sale, whoever there's whoever's selling the product, they charge them more money. Yes. So like as a great ex- example, you've got like Visa, MasterCard, which charges typically the lowest fee. Mm-hmm. American Express typically charges higher. And then a firm would be above them. Right. That's that's the interest to the point of sale. So people at point of sale would be like, okay, well, I get more sales out of this, mm. even though I'm paying them more to finance it. But the customer doesn't pay anything. And even then, even then, there's still a north of 40% first payment default rate of people paying late on the first right. payment. That's right. I know. I, mean, I saw that you mentioned that on those amazing YouTube shorts that you make. You know, I make I make some pretty pretty sexy content. <laughs> pretty good. That I like to think isn't appreciated by the masses because I'm not out here wearing a suit and dancing, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm out here giving you edumacations. Edumacations. So here's some numbers from this article that I thought were absolutely fascinating. So... For a firm, the company of firm holdings, interest-free pay in four model made up 23% of total loan volumes. Interest-bearing loans account for two-thirds of their total loans. What? Really? That is fucking insane, man. So they're literally becoming a lender, and now that's why they're looking for bank sponsorships, right? Yeah. They affirm uh, a firm relies on bank partners to originate the majority of its loans. Oh, and it's fucked what up. Kind I know, bank, I know how what kind of bank? What kind of bank? This 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 is predatory, man. Yeah, but they're going to sell it to the banks as small balance consumer lending, mm-hmm. which meets some of the bank's CRA needs in some cases or you community think, development. Yeah, really? That's that's their play. Is they're going to go to the bank saying, "Hey, if you do this, now here, here's where most banks don't want to do this. Most banks don't want to do this because these loans have a typically much higher default rate." And you've got to set aside more for reserves for losses because mm-hmm. generally speaking, these small balance consumer loans and even small balance business loans, this is going to kind of counterintuitive. The smaller the balance is at origination, mm-hmm. there's typically a higher default rate. 
Okay. So when you get in the middle market, people are and more likely loans. people are more likely to not pay it because it's just a smaller balance. There's, they have other things to go pay for. Well, there's less due diligence that goes into them compared to like right. more complex loans. There's less oversight, less, and they're generally encouraged because they help sponsor the community and stuff like that. So all these things that make it something that you want to do and it's yeah. easier for you to do also makes it a lot higher probability of default. Right. But then, so they have to set aside more reserves, but in the interest of getting some of that CRA credit. Right. In some cases, yeah. And, and it depends the, on how they're structuring and stuff like that. Yeah. For the, and for, for those listening, CRA credit, right, that's community reinvestment. It's the Community Reinvestment Act and banks are required to lend a certain amount to these communities that they have banks in, right? Uh, their primary lending area. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, okay. I mean, that's interesting. That's a, I mean, a good that, I'm them. sure that's the play. I'm sure that's part of the play for them. I don't know how they structure them or if they're doing them like businesses only or consumers or what the deal is, but that that's the play and i've seen a lot of companies do this i hate this model yeah i really don't like it i i know that um it's predatory man there's a couple fintechs i know that that are african-american owned and i think the other one is is asian owned and they they typically lend on similar platforms and they're trying to get in the bigger ones like amazon as a point of sale like a firm to compete Mm -hmm. because they're they're doing like um I can't remember the way they, they structure it, but their structure is like CDFIs. Mm. Um, so a CDFI, I'll spare you the, the boring stuff, is basically a community development financial institution. I don't remember if that's appropriate vernacular. Mm-hmm. Arun, can you look up CDFI and see if that's the appropriate vernacular for what, a C, what is a CDFI? Something interesting to know too, so the interest rates that they're charging on those loans is like, could be upwards to like 30%, which is actually higher than what you would be paying if you just bought it on, oh, yeah. on a credit card. Yeah, Community Development Financial Institution. I'm surprised I got that right. Certification is, is a designation given by the CDFI Fund to special uh, specialized organizations that provide financial services in low-income communities and to people who lack access to financing. So I think I, I know a couple CDFIs that, are, that they really push themselves out there to certain communities, and they mm-hmm. usually like... Uh, the African American one pushes himself out to the African American community. Using, you know, they typically target low income people in that region. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of Asian ones that are similar that I've seen that are generally racially motivated. And there's a couple that are just, you know, ambivalent to whoever they don't care. They're just going to low income period. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they typically are trying to do point of sale, and then they turn around and get banks involved to meet their community development and reinvestment act. Right. Stuff. Yeah. So that that's typically how, and then banks will make donations to them in the form of like charitable contributions, and then the banks can write it off, plus they have a partnership. So there's a lot of these that are out there in the form of kind of like lending and, and lending vehicles to help you know, provide low-income loans. But again, it all comes back to the same concept. 30%, 30% is a crazy, crazy high rate. It is bonkers, man. So as much as you're like, we're giving money to low-income, yeah, but you're also charging them a shit ton of interest. You know what you're doing. Yeah, like it's, it is predatory, Yeah, 100%. It, it goes back to my time at Wells Fargo where they were pushing me to sell credit cards to people that I know just don't know how to manage their credit. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, these people don't know how to manage credit. They're going to max it out. It's going to ruin their credit. And then what? Just so that you got one sale? It makes no well, sense. Well, and the counter argument to that is for a lot of the CDFIs, like if we don't lend to our demographic, then who is going to lend them? Like they're not lent to a lot because they're perceived to be higher risk. Yes, we charge higher interest, but it offsets the relative risk. I don't know if there's a right or wrong here, if That's it really true. does stimulate the yeah. banking needs. But what I will say is this, higher risk or not based on the credit metrics in my mind, and I'm a credit guy historically, I don't think that justifies a 30% rate ever. No. Like you're charging too much. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You know Just, what I mean? 
Yeah, just to make more of a profit. And in some states, there are usurious laws which would prevent that for consumer lending. But mm. there's some other laws that are coming up. Mm. Federal Reserve issues new restrictions on crypto banking. So I saw this on that Instagram page, Baller Buses, that I used to reference. Mm -hmm. I, they came back after, looks like they were, I, mean, I don't remember, they've been gone for a while. I thought it was like a year or something, but right. maybe, maybe less than that. But th their page came back and they posted something about this. And of course, I went down the rabbit hole, mm -hmm. right? And so the, the Federal Reserve Board issued a new final rule. Uh, this is on like Tuesday of last week. So by the time you hear this, uh, I think probably two weeks ago, but mm -hmm. whatever. So the rule issues two directives pursuant to the Federal Reserve's existing laws. One, the board will presumptively prohibit member banks from holding most crypto assets. And that member banks, number two, wishing to utilize dollar tokens will need to prove certain security measures and receive formal approval prior to its use in the banking transactions. Yeah. And I think that sounds kind of weird in, in gray. Yeah. So I'm going to spell it out real simple for most people. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going to spell it. it clearly. All right, look. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to. I don't mince words here because I want to be clear. The the cryptocurrency advocates who saw the downfall of FTX and these exchanges. Yeah. So what these exchanges really do is they take a decentralized asset, mm -hmm. right, like cryptocurrency. Okay. And they centralize it so you have a way to get your money out in the yes. form of loans, or the form of you know some kind of cash exchange. You have to go through so many loopholes to get it though. You got it, you got it. But really what they're doing is they're centralizing your assets, right? right. They're centralized exchanges. Mm -hmm. Those have failed. Voyager, BlockFi, FTX, and continue to fail. That's a major problem for the system. Right. So now all the cryptocurrency advocates who've had these centralized exchanges fail are saying, hey, hey, we need regulation. Mm -hmm. We need centralization. And there was a bank that we talked about on a previous show um, called, uh, what was it? What the hell do you remember what it was called? Silvergate? No, no. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> Silvergate. So, but Silvergate is a great example. But there was another, Silvergate didn't have direct kind of like access, I would say, to cryptocurrency. But the, the most recent one had, uh, I can't remember the name of it. I'll figure it out later on. Had a 27-month, almost a little over two years attempt at getting into the Fed system, getting plugged in, which gives them access oh, that's to the right. Fed, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that? yeah, I do remember that. Well, they got denied. Mm -hmm. So between all these changes failing and them getting denied, now this final rule, mm -hmm. the final rule is basically saying, hey, we have existing laws that prevent things that are not safe and not sound for banks. And they effectively said, these things are not safe and not sound. Right. So banks are going to have to go through this problem. Whenever you see a final rule like this, it's basically the Fed saying, you can do it. But the hurdles are going to be really, 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 really high because we don't believe this is safe. Notice they didn't say all cryptocurrency, but one type. They, they said just said, they just said cryptocurrency. Period. Exactly. So it doesn't matter if you think some exotic cryptocurrency is good or Ethereum or Bitcoin's better than the rest of those. And this is their way to, to set out the regulation, right? That people have been asking for and searching for in this space. Well, yes and no. This actually doesn't solve for that, which I thought was interesting because. You would think that they would have a vested interest in trying to solve for the cryptocurrency situation, mm -hmm. right? But they didn't. They don't want. They don't want to directly address regulation for cryptocurrency. They want to say cryptocurrency is never going to be plugged into the Fed system. Okay, and so in gonna my leave, mind, they're going to leave that up to Congress. Yeah. So the SEC doesn't recognize recognize crypto as a commodity. Right. Doesn't meet their criteria. Exactly. So meanwhile, it's funny that you brought that up because I had something here that I didn't plug in the show notes. The New York State Department of Financial Services directed Paxos Trust to stop issuing new tokens of crypto's third largest stablecoin 
Binance branded coin known as BUSD. Wow. So I wonder if this has something to do with them in the U.S. being able to stop. I, I want you to know. So there's roughly $16 billion in circulation of that stable coin. Wow. Not so stable, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Not so stable. So wow. the, the SEC has sent Paxos a so-called Wells notice alleging that BUSD is an unregistered security, which is what you just referenced. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's exactly what it is. So because crypto doesn't meet the requirements to be a security or a commodity right. under the SEC's guidance, them trading it like that is getting shut. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And this is why this is a huge problem. It's the most traded type of token and it's the biggest exchange offering this token. Wow. Yeah, well, because it's it's the exchange that, mm -hmm. it, that it's based off of. Yeah. Well, look, man, and that, that's the irony of this whole like stablecoin concept, right? So a lot of these stablecoins we've already seen in prior examples are not so stable mm -hmm. and they're not really pegged to anything. So a stablecoin, in theory, is pegged to something. In this mm -hmm. case, I believe it's the US dollar, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the whole concept is, is because it's pegged to this, It'll be more stable and it's backed and it's good. Well, we've already seen prior stable coins fail. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't really mean that it's really more secure than not. And, and if anything, the SEC's now stepping in saying, hey, like, what are you guys doing? You, you can't treat these like securities, like stock. They're not. They're not commodities and none of these things. So this just now made it extremely difficult for U.S. customers to access Binance's platform. Well, didn't they already have challenges that we talked about last week? Uh, they stop withdrawals, right? Yeah. It's for some administrative issue, right? Yep. Some, something to note, in the last 24 hours, you want to take a guess at how many people pulled out money from Binance? Oh, it's going to be a lot. It's 462 lot. million Woo! in 24 hours. Yep, it's going to get more. It's going to be more. Yeah, 100% it'll be more. Man. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. So just like there's a run on the banks, and this is why you want to have FDIC insurance, this is why you have regulation and liquidity requirements is because there's a run on the banks. Yeah. You know, the banks have adequate, you know, capital and adequate liquidity to make sure that they prevent from them being weakened by that position. Exactly. I would say the crypto world does not have that. A little bit. They're kind of in trouble. Kind of a little bit. But I on a separate sidebar, I found a crypto guru who presented a message that I thought was so powerful and wanted to share it in this, on the show. And I think this happens to be a great segue in, into <laughs> this wonderful take on what crypto should and shouldn't be. Okay. And I got to tell you, this guy seems like he has an incredibly, incredibly significant wealth of knowledge that he wants to share. Fuck crypto. You don't need anxiety. Before you bought the bullshit fantasy coin, your life was good. But then you made some money and became greedy. Now the bullshit coin is fucked. And nobody can tell you when it is going to be unfucked. <laughs> Even the motherfucker who convinced you to buy the bullshit coin, who told you that it is going to be the next big thing, that motherfucker is nowhere to be found. You are on your own. And all you can do is cry about it in the shower and hope and believe that your bullshit coin will go up in price again so that you can sell it and make some money and buy some more and then get fucked all over again. God damn. That is crypto. That is crypto. In a nutshell, <laughs> that guy was great. Brilliant. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. That is crypto. That is crypto. I know. Man. I mean, he couldn't, what be, is more, that? He couldn't, couldn't be more spot on. Couldn't I'm more. telling you, for, for, for a guy who, who, who looks very humbled, 
Yeah. He knows a thing or two. Yeah, exactly. He does know a thing or two. It's sad, man. I mean, look, the the crazy thing about crypto is its value went up solely on hype. I've had so many arguments with people on social media, particularly Twitter, mm-hmm. that just are so in love with crypto and, and whatever cryptocurrency they, they want to be like. like the Bitcoin ones are, are, are hilarious to me because they're like, Bitcoin is a commodity and there's only a finite number that can ever be mined. And because of that, supply and demand, the realtor favorite, favorite realtor argument, right? Yeah, yeah. Supply and demand, the, you, there's just not enough supply to meet the ma- demand. I'm like, it's down 80% in one last year. Yeah. So let's stop right there. Yeah. I don't even know. If, what is anything that I bought went down 80% in one year? Yeah. That's a shit investment. I'm not touching that. That's bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, it's, you know, it came down from a high. It was pumped up by people who were, I don't care. It went down 80% in one year. Say less. It's gone down 80% several times. Like yeah. I, I, that. It, there's no security in that. I, I don't get it. I really, I really don't get it. I, I don't, I don't know if cryptocurrency will actually continue to go, move in whatever path it's going on. But eventually I, I it will. Blockchain... Eventually it will, though. That's the thing because it, it's it's never it's based on this false sense of hope. So you think that it'll die? No, I don't think it'll ever ever truly die. But will it ever get back to six? Like let's just say Bitcoin back so to then what's sixty thousand. What's the point? If it doesn't keep going up and it doesn't, that's that's the problem is with crypto. If it doesn't keep going up. Yeah. What's the point? Why are you buying it? Right. Because you want to buy cocaine in the black market and you want people to trace you? Right. I mean, why else would you buy Why else would you buy cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, I, whatever? I have no idea why anyone buys it to begin with. I think they, they buy it solely. Like, they treat it like a stock. But it's not. Go buy stock. I know. I know. That's what I don't understand. But that's the thing. They treat it like a stock. And then when the value goes, they just hold it for the value to continue to go on up. We saw what happened in the NFT market, man. People still trade NFTs, I assume, but I haven't heard a damn thing about it. What was the last time you heard anything about NFT? I'm sticking to what I said. Remember, I said it like six months ago. Bitcoin's going to go down to 12 grand at least. I, I think you're right. And I, know, I don't I know, like saying that you're I, right. I know it recently went up. Last time I checked, it was at 23,000. It's not It's not like a stock where the value changes daily, but just type in Bitcoin value. Oh, 21,000. Jesus. 21,740. Forty-five. Yeah, I mean that's impressive. Even for, I mean, it was three times that, but at one point in time. But I, I just, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, really I don't get where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some value over time, but this is certainly, in my opinion, much more than just a crypto winter. Yeah. All right. Especially because now we're seeing regulation come out, right? And there's actual s- steps being taken by you know the government to ensure that the People need to know that there is risk tied to this. Well, it's not only that. It, it's for the banking system to come out and say this is not a safe and sound thing to lend on. Yeah. And think about it this way. If, if you're a banking regulator and someone says, hey, man, I want to use the most stable cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, because mm-hmm. it's got a finite amount, ha, 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 to use as collateral for a loan. Mm-hmm. What's your LTV going to be out the gate? It just went down 80%. Yeah, exactly. It's got that potential. We've seen that go up and down. Like, where do, where do you feel comfortable making fifty percent? Uh, you can't even justify that. Twenty. I mean, wh- where do you where do you say I can make a loan on this? Right. And then for the banking system, like if you're not adequately collat- I mean, collateralized, right? Your first source of repayment is going to be cash flow. Can this person pay the the payments in this loan? Yes. Your second one will almost invariably be whatever equity is in the underlying collateral, whether it's a home or stock. Yes. And your third will be your individual sponsorship. You'd imagine they have to cross collateralize. And here's what happens. Generally speaking, people who hold that much collateral mm-hmm. in crypto, mm-hmm. it's like real estate investors or people who love the stock market. They're really heavy in the stock market, really heavy into real estate. In this case, really heavy into crypto. 
So your first source of repayment will be your cash flow. Well, most of these people have cash flow from selling crypto. Yeah, exactly. And buying crypto. So you have to back that out. You have to back that out. Right. Okay. Second source of repayment, the underlying loan to value. Well, how do you get comfortable with something that's got that much fluctuation in the past year? Right. You don't. Third source of repayment, well, your entire net worth seems to be wrapped in crypto, sir. Three strikes, you are out. Yeah, straight to jail. And, and the banking system, you know, that they, they know that. Mm -hmm. So that that's really what they're thinking about when they issue these final rules, saying you're going to need formal approval in advance. No one's going to get that formal approval. That approval will go to Utah where approvals go to die. Right. There's a banking hub in Utah. Not, I don't have a thing against Utah. I think, I think you don't like people in Utah. That's not true at all. I, I, I mean, I, I don't like the idea that you can't buy alcohol past a certain time that's, in, in that's Utah. A, that's all. Everywhere in Utah? I think so. I think they're a very dry state. Mormons. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I don't know that. I think there's a very conservative, like, alcohol, like, I want. There. I wanted to go to All-Star Game weekend there. You Utah? Year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been. But then, yeah. Not anymore. Not after you said that. That was bad promo. You can still buy alcohol. You just can't buy it after a certain time of night. Yeah. Rune. There you go. Look, this is this is what the entrance for. Yeah. What time do they stop selling alcohol in Utah? You type slow, by the way. Yeah. Alcoholic beverages may be sold on any day from 10 a.m. until 1 a.m. Okay, there you go. Come on, man. Bars, why, liquor, why are you wine. spreading disinformation like that? You trying to get us like canceled? I'm pretty sure that's God not right, damn. dude. No, this, this is a whole shtick. Dude, that's that's, that's, that's Utah.gov. Oh, just because Chris is oh. wrong, I don't believe Hold it. Hold on a second. What was that? I don't believe this. You don't believe what? Uh, this, these articles. Yeah, this seems very. Off, you, th right? you, you think? You think it's more likely? Oh, here we go. Uh, an establishment with beer only license may serve beer from 11:30 a.m. to 1 a.m. Venues with limited service liquor license may you, serve beer and wine telling, from 11 a.m. to midnight. You're now. telling me that you think it's more? It's more okay, believable. Maybe, maybe it's rumor. I don't. I don't know. Dude, stop shitting on Utah. I'm not shitting on Utah. I, I love this Utah. Is what I was led to believe. I love Utah. Why do you have to play this role? I'm just. I love everything. You were the one who told me about Utah. <laughs> All the <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to drop the shoe on you. Ah, uh, yes. Two more quote shoes to drop in the real estate market, and let's let's take a trip down. Where did this phrase come from, Lane? Mm, this so actually, good. I, I this makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. So the whole idea of waiting for the other shoe to drop, or you know, the shoe to drop. Yeah, the saying, the saying, the shoe to drop. Yeah. So the the author of this article, which came from Forbes, which I can't read because room pulled up a window for no reason. Thank you very much. Um. The origin of the phrase, waiting for the other shoe to drop, in the late 19th century, residents in New York City apartments could hear the noises of the neighbors living above them. One common sound was removing shoes. Once you heard the muffled thump of a shoe hitting the floor, you expected to hear the other shoe to drop shortly thereafter. God, man. So simple. So simple. But think about it. If, if it's if it's just a shoe that they can hear, what else are they hearing? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, imagine you going to the bathroom they hear in that. New York City. Yeah. God damn. I think I've got colorectal issues still. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I go to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> we, we drove today. Hugo and I drove all the way to El Centro and then El Centro back to uh, Indian Wells and then Indian Wells back to Orange County before mm -hmm. being home for like 30 minutes and coming, coming here. Yeah. It, it's I I have a I I need I need like diapers. Like <laughs> you have a just, problem. It's just it's just bad. Maybe yeah. it's the caffeine. Out. But that that saying right there, uh, the shoe to drop, made me want to look into other sayings. And the the one that I came across that I thought was pretty dark, but also fascinating, was the canary in the coal mine. You've always heard that. You know, we've referenced it on the show, talking about what's the canary you didn't in the know coal this mine. One? The canary I, in the coal mine that I actually died first, so the workers need to get out. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, I didn't know oh. that was the reason why. I mean, that's pretty fucking dark, man. Yeah, that's. I mean, man, Peter, go after those people that are talking about them. That's fucked up. 
Yeah, man. Well, you know, this kind of you know that stuff still happens. What? Like the canary in the coal mine thing. Like, you know those kid like child labor like in lithium mines in like Africa. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bad, man. Like the, none of this stuff. We might not think about it anymore because we think it's like outdated. But this stuff still happens, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's it, fun. It's it's uh you know you see that the, the irony. I, I've heard somebody say this. I can't remember who. The irony in like the the person on their phones tweeting about you know being a social justice warrior. Yeah, using lithium from using third li- world countries. Lithium from third world countries. Yeah. 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 I know people who won't buy electric cars because they, they they know where lithium comes from and they're really bothered by it. Wow. Yeah. Is that why you don't have an electric car? <laughs> That's exactly why. <laughs> well, there's a lot of lithium that I think also comes out of Afghanistan too. Is there? It might be. I think so, yeah. You think, think about heroin. <laughs> no, that there's that too. <laughs> yeah. Opium. Um all right, so I want to spend some time on this article because I think there's some value in the process. But essentially, this article really talks about kind of the lagging responses in the commercial real estate market. Mm-hmm. So the first year in the U.S. housing and commercial real estate market was the entire year of 2022. Consistent in interest and consistent interest rate increases, a significant reduction in sales volumes, and a cold draft in real estate prices. Right. Me, I think that some realtors would probably disagree with the cold draft, but certainly some challenges in some markets. For well, real I mean, prices. I think they probably expected for values to still continue to go where they've just remained stagnant. Right. So the logistics of what this article walks through next, I thought were really powerful because I actually didn't think them through this pragmatically, but mm-hmm. they make a lot of sense. Three of the top uh, six new home builders in the country recently reported net new orders for fall of 2022 with declines of 15% Lennar, 38% DR Horton, and 80% KB Homes. What God. Is, KB Homes be slipping. Yeah, yeah. what's going on <laughs> over there? Like, yeah. who, who did what to you? Yeah, exactly. In December 2022, <laughs> the U.S. Department of Commerce reported sales of new single-family houses dropped 27% from December of 2021. Mm. Yet realtors will sit here and tell you, hey, man, yeah, the real estate market is, is, is still strong. Yeah. There's a lack of supply. Right. Home values are not going to go down. If you're looking to buy, you got to buy right now. You got to buy, buy right, right now. Right. So um, we haven't had a Dave Ramsey reference in a while. I feel like uh, we've, we've, been been really, let, we've been leaving him off the hook. We did let him off the hook a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that's not because we stopped the hate. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's because we've decided that, you know what? Everybody deserves a second chance. Yeah. Unless you're Dave Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> For commercial real estate firms, particularly in the office market, conditions remain dire. According to recent studies, up to 71% of office space could support four times their current usage. So break that down to me. I didn't understand that that sentence. I actually wanted to ask you about it. Essentially, 71% of office buildings are 25% vacant. Wow. And that, oh, sorry, sorry. 75, you think it's, 75% vacant, sorry. And they're vacant as in like, People are still working from home, or or the companies in those units have have now. So uh, keep in mind the word is your current usage. So a lot of people who have existing leases, yes, in the last three years have chosen not to have full return to work or hybrid work. Yes. So there's about twenty five percent physical occupancy in some of these buildings, which is so crazy because so many businesses were built around these office spaces, mm-hmm. right? You think about all the restaurants, you think about the gyms, things like that, like. It, and it, imagine like even like the Uber drivers that were driving around at these facilities waiting to pick people up and take them to the airports. And Oh, it's, it's a trickle down effect, which is actually what this article gets into on the finance side for real estate. Yeah. So the three things to think about the, the article goes into, we're going to hit the high points here. Audits, mm-hmm. municipal taxes, mm-hmm. 
and possibly forced selling, which I think is not a possible thing. I think it's an actual thing. It's it, it's eventual, right? It's, it's an eventuality yeah. in my mind right. what's going to happen. So the first shoe to drop, audits. Most real estate private equity firms have a December year end and must provide audited financial statements to their banks and investors by the end of March or April. Mm-hmm. Because December 2021 was literally the lowest interest rate environment in history while rents were rising very quickly, i.e. inflation, the value of real estate was near gravity less. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to the end of 2022 and conditions were very different, yet many real estate investors have not proactively reassessed the value of their real estate holdings in the face of dramatically higher interest rates. Right. So why haven't they done this? Exactly. Why, Why? First of all, why would they? Right, because there is a there is a benefit to them if if they do too, which we'll we'll get into mm-hmm. as, for the taxes. But they're required to let the banks know, right? Yeah. So one of the things that came out of the Great Recession mm-hmm. was that banks have an ongoing due diligence requirement for commercial loans. Yes, you can't just make a loan once, put it into a homogeneous pool of similarly situated loans, and let it be. Right. Unless it's a single family residence loan. Those, unless you default on your insurance requirements or your payments, yeah, you generally are okay for the life of the loan. But for commercial real estate, for commercial loans, you have an ongoing duty to provide them updated financial information. Right. That's in your loan covenants. And the bank has to you know, rate them, right? Right. Your, your loan covenants are basically a promise to provide these documents. Your bank then in turn takes these documents and they run cash flow analysis, whether it's a business loan or a commercial real estate loan. And they come up with your debt service coverage ratio. Right. So, for instance, if somebody were to come in and get a loan for an apartment building, right, a multifamily property, and they provide you their financial statements for the last two years and their current year-to-date statement, right, after we do the loan, a year later from the time we make the loan, they're required to provide us an updated statement mm-hmm. for us to spread. There's a whole department for it, the AQR department, Asset Quality Review Department. That will then spread it the same way that it was done in underwriting. Only right? for commercial real estate, though. If you're in a business lending group, yes. it'll go back through usually a portfolio manager who's not your originating person, but somebody who's there to maintain your relationship. Right. So, but for the for that example, that if you came in for to get a, an apartment building loan, you'll then have to provide an updated statement the same way you you provided when you got the loan to make sure everything is still running up to par. Usually updated tax return, updated rent rolls if it's real estate, Mm -hmm. updated operating statement, stuff like that. And then they'll check to see if you got like a second loan behind them, you know, they'll, you know, they'll they'll dive into all the details. And the whole logic here is that banks will then turn around and risk grade Mm -hmm. your loan, right, Right. on a scale. Mm -hmm. And they'll risk rate your loan, if you will. And then why why do they do that though? So risk weighting for capital purposes is a different thing, and I'm not going to go into that, but effectively banks can hold certain capital in reserve for different types of loans. That being said, risk grading or risk rating, depending on the bank and how they call it, um, will basically judge on a scale of typically one to nine, nine being a loss, one being absolutely no loss possible history. Mm -hmm. Most banks wind up in the two to three, satisfactory or acceptable. Right. Right. Um, Or three to four, depending on the numbers there. Five would be your watch list. These these loans are performing okay, but we have concerns. There might be a problem here. And it's also a way to let the regulators know when they do come in to show them that we're proactively working on these loans. We've noted that there's an issue. There might be a potential issue. There might be a potential Those issue. Those are just, we're just watching them. Yes. But really that's not adversely classified. Now I'll explain why all these classifications matter shortly. 
but like six, for example, right? Mm -hmm. um, special mention or substandard six and seven. Uh, substandard is generally an increased reliance on your secondary source of repayment. We talked about source of repayment earlier in the show. Right. Your first one's cash flow. Your second, your equity, whatever it is. So let's mm -hmm. say it's a business loan. Let's take it away from commercial real estate for a second. We talk a lot about that in the show. Business loan is your cash flow from the business. Yes. Your second, whatever collateral you have, maybe it's an accounts receivable, AR-based loan, where they mm -hmm. have a accounts receivable as your collateral. Right. And then the third might be the sponsorship from the individual that guaranteed it, the right. CEO of the business or the owner of the business. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you have an increased reliance on your secondary source of repayment, because your cash flow isn't there, right? That usually is a substandard loan. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a right? problem loan. because yeah. this person also has other loans with other institutions. Right. You know, so like you can see that there's a he's got an issue. And banks report these on what's known as the call report. Mm -hmm. And this is how they get audited. This is how they report to Wall Street. This is how they, the examiners come in and look at them. So there's a lot of oversight, but you have to be proactively, not reactively monitoring these things since the Great Recession. And then as these go down in, in ratings, the bank was, will then be forced to set aside more reserves, reserves, yes. which then hurts the bank to lend out its money to make new loans. And if you notice, these regulations are what protect you, the consumer, because it makes sure the bank has adequate capital and adequate reserves set aside to cover losses stemming from bad investments or loans or lending activity. Something that crypto um, lenders are yeah, not doing. Like Voyager, like BlockFi, right. like FTX. Right. Like Sam Bankman Fried. Right. Like Carolyn. <laughs> I care. It's, it's Carolyn's fault. I'm never letting Carolyn off. Yeah. No, hell no. I don't care if you play guilty or not. Have. Yeah. Fuck yeah, that. They need to have a Harry Potter Carolyn. I blame character. her. I do blame her. Yeah. She can't. She should have stopped SBF before he did anything. To her and to the crypto. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So why haven't certain real estate investors reassessed their values? On one hand, rents and therefore profits were likely still rising in 2022 versus 2021. On its face, real estate owners like to believe that if they are generating more profitability, they are creating more value, which is true. Mm -hmm. But in real estate, valuation requires you to multiply your profits by a valuation factor to get the final answer. Mm -hmm. I know it's a little confusing. We'll, we'll explain it. You divide your profits by a percentage called a capitalization rate to get your property's current value. So basically what they're saying is, is you're going to reverse engineer the value of your property by using the cash flow that it creates. Right. This is something the appraisers use. The, well, Right. The appraisal Cap rate. capitalization rates can be used in any type of investment. Yes. They're a way to compare like investment to like investment. You want to compare stock. You want to compare real estate. Mm -hmm. You want to compare investing in your best friend, yeah. whatever. Yeah. There's a capitalization rate that you can use to compare whether they'll return. The lower the capitalization rate, the higher the capitalization rate, they have a very different impact to you. Yes. Obviously, if you're multiplying your cash flow times a lower number, mm -hmm. it's not going to yield quite the same response as you would get if you multiplied it by a higher number right in this case you're dividing in this case exactly so when you divide right mm -hmm. divide by a lower number you get a higher higher value divide by a higher number you get a lower, lower value. value right so that's why a higher capitalization rate not so good lower one higher value and something that we know about capitalization rates when interest rates go up higher so do capitalization rates yes and therein lies the challenge, right? Right. Because it winds up bringing the values down. Brings the values down, which is which is why, you know, this is what this article actually goes into is people who have invested in these commercial real estate properties have yet to report these updated values to the banks so that they can accurately assess whether the loan to values 
are still within line and people aren't underwater. So what I will say is this is not actually the way banks do it. Yeah. The person who wrote the article understands the analysis process. Probably somebody with a CFA or something like that who understands like investment, like investment. Mm -hmm. In the real commercial real estate world, banks don't use cap rates to reverse engineer value. Right. Because they have an original appraisal for that. And generally speaking, they don't, have to, they don't update the loan to value. Mm -hmm. They only update the cash flow. Right. Their debt service coverage ratio. Yes. So this is not quite the way it works. But for an investor, you'll want to know your cap rate so you know how your investment's doing. Exactly. But the banks won't necessarily need to do that. Right. So all else being equal, if real estate owners made more profits in 2022 than they did in 2021 on their real estate holdings, they are still likely to have lower valuations versus a year ago because interest rates rose by nearly five percentage points. Mm. So I will point out, even me being in the business for as long as I have, I still stumble with capitalization rates sometimes. Mm -hmm. I have to like draw it out to, to make myself feel comfortable. Right. And it's largely because I don't like capitalization rate as an investment. I know. And it's something that is so commonly used in reference when people are talking about- The broker side uses it a lot. The investor yeah. side uses it a lot. Yeah, exactly. And I hate it because in my mind, you, you can try to use it as a way to compare. I don't care. I like real estate. I know I do. Yeah. So I don't care how it would compare to a stock investment. I want to make sure that my cash on cash return hits targets. Right. I look at cash on cash. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go on with just a couple more paragraphs and we'll move on from this article. I know that we've kind of hit it hard, but I think there's a lot of value here. Mm -hmm. Audit season is the moment of truth with significantly fewer transactions, which means fewer comps for the appraisers who value commercial real estate. Real estate investors are going to have to defend their values for the first time since the rates spike. All of this reevaluating is happening right now and will last for the next 60 to 90 days. There is a relatively low probability of the value being higher than it was last year. And of course, why is this all important? If an investor's loan to value maximum with their lender is 80%, the bank will only loan you 80%. So this is not the way it works. No. In commercial real estate, we're not going to go out and reassess the value of your property and say you're above your LTV targets because when you get a letter of interest from your lender on a piece of real estate, mm -hmm. it's usually a maximum LTV and a minimum debt service coverage ratio. What they are going to say, though, is if your debt service coverage ratio, if your property is not making as much money and you don't hit that debt service coverage ratio requirement, we're going to ding you. Right. Exactly. So therein lies the, the real world. And again, but this, when, they, when they do send in their updated financial statements, though, it'll reference assuming that they're not, you know, committing fraud and they're actually sending the right financial statement, it should reference the current vacancy and how much they've been, you know, generating in revenue, mm -hmm. right? So that you can accurately assess whether, you know, this is going to be a problem loan or not. So the next two are pretty pretty straightforward from this article. It's the, the, uh, the tax roll situation, right? They're going to go back now and appeal their tax value to try to get their tax basis reduced. Right. Hey, uh, my property's actually gone down in value. You, right. me, you, you municipality should give right. me a lower tax basis and reduce my tax obligation, which then impacts the city, which generates less money for taxes. Right. Which, you, which I mean, you can see why somebody would try to manipulate the system this way, right? It benefits. Oh, they do, they do it all the time. All the time. Is, especially states like Texas, this is very, very common to dispute this stuff. Really? Yeah, very common. So, so like, if if you're someone that's looking to invest in real estate and you don't plan on selling any of your real estate, I mean, what's it to you? It, you it's generating cash flow to you, right? If you could lower your taxes on it, that's how, that's how they view it. Why not? Why wouldn't I just do it? That's just more money in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. If your tax basis is 1.16% in California. Yeah. And you can lower it like in a multi-million dollar property by 
I don't know, a million dollars? Yeah. That's good money. Yeah, exactly. Sold. Where do I sign up for extra money in my pocket? Yeah, done. And all you got to do is dispute it with the city. Yeah, but they don't care. Those those people don't care about the ripple effects that it has on, you know, everybody else. Well, I mean, I guess in their defense, they're paying taxes based on the value of the property. That's what you're supposed to be paying taxes on. If the value did go down and a government agency, municipality is going to be slow to react. Right. You, you've got an obligation, especially if you're investing like in a syndication. Mm-hmm. In theory, if you're a Grant Cardone and you collect everybody else's money out there, right? Right. You've got a fiduciary responsibility to try to maximize cash flow. Right. So it's your job to do that. Mm-hmm. You, you should be actively yeah. advocating for your investors. Mm-hmm. So the last shoe to drop is actually where this gets interesting, and this is the four sellers. So no one's really predicting a seller's market. It may or may not happen. I think on the show we've been pretty pretty confident that it, it is going to happen. And right. that we're already seeing a seller's market, but I do think there'll be a, a market for that in some types of commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. So as you watch the first two shoes to drop, we all need to keep our ears open to hear whether that third shoe for the housing commercial real estate market is going to happen. It's quite possible. And if you have three shoes, weird. Like yeah, whatever, I mean, who is this guy? Quite possibly the that the combination. Quite possible the combination of these first two factors, audit valuations and reduced tax revenues, results in investors becoming forced sellers. Mm-hmm. So. For, for all the right reasons and all the wrong reasons, I'll just say this. If you're making less money in the property, you can't get a reduced tax roll, or maybe it's just not as profitable as you want, or your cap rate is so low that you can get a better return with some other investment with a better, higher cap rate, Right. you're going to pivot. 100%. Now, you got to figure in your tax basis for selling the property, or you might do a 1031 exchange where you put your money into an escrow and you go buy a similarly situated property somewhere else that gives you a better return. Right. So explain to people exactly what a 1031 exchange is. It's a tax deferred exchange. It's very, very common in the real estate market, especially when upgrading to a different property for reasons just like this, right? Right. Let's say you got a property and the municipality is not working with you. The cash flow is not super strong. And you have the opportunity to buy another property down the street or in a different state. Yeah. But you don't want to pay capital gains taxes. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You don't actually put the money in your pocket. You give it to a 1031 exchange accommodator through an escrow. So right. you sell your property. They hold the money for that you. That money comes into an escrow and goes mm-hmm. to the 1031 exchange accommodator. They will hold that fund for you until you source and place a property. And there are timelines for how long it takes you to find and source and name and identify a property right. and invest in it. If you don't meet that, you can do what's called a, 1030, a reverse 1031 exchange where you could buy a property in advance and then sell your old property and fund into it. Yeah. But effectively, the 1031 exchange but accommodator that, that just requires role. a lot more cash. A lot cash more cash. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to be balling so hard. Yeah. But you need a black card. You, oh. See, we, Had, can't get, we can't get past one show. That's you making a snotty comment. Yeah. It's insulting. I mean, so far, we have 52 minutes. We haven't made a dick reference. Uh, wow. <laughs> Just right out the gate? Good for you. You said usually by now you Actually, would... no, that's not true. I did. Yeah, I did. In the beginning of the show, I was What's... I was face side up with the people. Oh, you did. Laser hair removal. Yeah. <laughs> it was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, no. It, yeah. Of course you did. Why? Just... Well, silly me. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I started off early. Yeah. Maybe you're just not used to it. Just, the beginning. just get it out the way. Yeah, I mean, I, had to, I mean we've got to five or six episode trend going now it's <laughs> that in my butt it's a win streak yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we gotta we gotta win win brother you know what it is sometimes certain creatives just have their calling card and mine just happens to be those types of jokes right um so i, would, I mean the, the article the article way. went on to say as as far as four sellers market i don't think we'll know if we ever truly hit that if that if that shoe drops until the summertime which is what we've been calling for so, um, moving on to a little article from the Los Angeles Times. More mm. San Francisco homes are selling below asking price. Could that trend come to L.A.? And before you answer the obvious answer, 
the data reveal. I think it's supposed to be. This is not my English. That's actually the way it was written. Data reveals that <laughs> if uh, not a buyer's market, then the Bay Area is more buyer friendly markets. Mm-hmm. This English is terrible. Is this the LA Times or what? Did you write this? I did not. Homes are relatively cheaper. A pattern that may manifest in Los Angeles. I believe that it's already already manifesting in Los Angeles. Frankly, I mean a lot of a lot of this has to do with um, the tech bubble, right? People losing their jobs. I think that's the early indicator. But keep in mind, it wasn't the tech bubble. It was the layoffs hit the tech sector first. Yeah. And look at all the layoffs we've seen. We 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 did predict this right yeah. mm-hmm. in Q1 and Q2. We are not even halfway through no. Q1, and we've seen a massive amount. Right. I think you're going to see more. I think you're going to see more, especially when you know some of that optimism starts to go out the window with, let's see, tomorrow's CPI report, You know, the following one, the next Fed interest rate hike, potentially the one after that as well. When that optimism starts going out the window and more and more companies start to, quote unquote, right size, I can hate that term. Right size? Right size. Yeah, no, man. You, you, what you're doing is you're downsizing. Don't change. This is how people get confused all the time. What do you mean by right size? Huge. Yeah. Every time. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Huge? That's what I, it's the right size. That's not, that, that's not. You said average. You did not no, say huge. No. You, average size. If I asked you the question. You said average size. What is the right size? size? It's huge. Christopher. Are you lying to the people? No, I didn't yeah, say that was me. No, you, I said that's the right ins- answer. You're insinuating. I'm not insinuating anything. <laughs> you are. I am. You, you, sir, have got an insinuation problem. That's what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, you're just out here making all sorts of insinuations about insinuations. Yeah, Mr. Average. Just <laughs> for my height. <laughs> for, for my height. <laughs> <laughs> the San Francisco Bay Area has developed a famous or infamous reputation over the years for its housing prices. Driven in part by the tech industry's mammoth presence in the region with cash flush workers who could parlay stocks into down payment. And really, it's not stock. It's more like their options they received or their relocation costs mm-hmm. or whatever. Historically, the Bay Area has almost always had homes for sale more than the asking price on average, mm-hmm. said Daryl Fairweather, chief economist for the real estate website Redfin, mm-hmm. in an interview with The Times. Nice. Redfin so Times. He's, yeah, he's the homie. You know me. Yeah, him and I. But new data reveals that if not a buyer's market, then the Bay Area is more buyer-friendly, like we read originally. The Bay Area already had notoriously high home prices with mortgage rates bottomed out during the COVID-19 pandemic, which they threw gas on as the fire, as borrowers snapped up cheaper loans. This article is written like shit. <laughs> Sellers could just throw their house on the market, Fairweather said. And then a dozen buyers would show up and bid up the price so, of a home, so the list price didn't matter much. Yes, we know. But there's more. There's more. By spring of 2022, the average sale to list ratio, which compares the average sale price to the average list price, was over 113%. That was the average. That's so insane. In short, buyers were paying on average 113% above the list price of a home. So I have, so I have some friends. Of the list price of a home. Jesus, my reading is tough. I, I have some friends. <laughs> that um are i don't believe you have any friends in the market in the no, market to in the market to buy a home no you don't you don't yes yeah, no, i do no such friends I, I do what's their name I, they don't want to be out on the show man so you don't not, have any friends not, ever, not so everyone wants to be out on the show buffer no i'm being serious I, so no, you're not. they have they have a f- and they have a friend right who is um a real estate agent that um was also once served as an appraiser okay 
and that and he's and so he's got access to you know the market and whatnot and what he's warning them about i'm curious to get your take on this is they he told them you should be afraid also of all the people that have been waiting on the sidelines for years right so if you're truly waiting for the market to hit its bottom you're gonna be you're you're gonna go back to competing again right so values are gonna go down 10 to 15 percent I don't appreciate you using your serious voice on me right now. What? No, <laughs> you it's, very, want, it's you, very distracting. It's very, I'm, so, what, what, yeah. What, what, so, what? What's your take on that? What that, that all these people are waiting the sidelines are going to jump back in and drive prices back up? Yeah, I would say that's uh, realtor hocus pocus. You don't think so? No, mm. people are scared, man. Have, Two look, out of three people can't afford a four hundred dollars expense right now. Unplanned yeah. expense. But the people that are looking to invest in real estate, what what nonsensical horseshit is this? First of all, we've gotten so used to the idea I know that three, I know people, three to five people at the bank that we work for mm-hmm. that have been sitting on the sidelines waiting to buy a home. Yeah, I know tons of people. Yeah, Chris, you you yourself. Yeah. And you know what? I still haven't bought. Yeah. And I'm not sure where the market's going, but I know it hasn't hit bottom yet. I know, but that's the point. They're afraid. Of, they're saying, okay, if it's gone down now, I'm already, I'm already getting in on a little bit of a discount, right? So why wait for it to hit rock bottom, which is only another 10 to 15%. Right, because I don't know where the market's going, and I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, he I'm, said. Oh, why, why do you ask me why? to take the he's, mic? He's so off? nervous. He said, "Hey, he said, hey," and then clear your throat. <laughs> you saying hi Bro, to the, you saying hi to the listeners? You clear your throat first, then I take you off mute. My uh, bad. No, no shit, you're bad. <laughs> what, what uh, are you? I haven't said a word in how long? Fifty-seven minutes now. That's your. <laughs> then clear your throat, and then I take you off mute. What's yeah. wrong with you? Let them make this question. Anyways, hey, yeah, I'll be the good told, guy. You told us to wait. Two years ago when we bought our house, right? Yeah, I did. It was yeah. good advice. Thank you very was much. Was it? Yeah. It went up. So if we had waited, our house when the, we bought it was a million twenty. But that back purchased. then it was different. It was different. This is clearly all sig all signs are pointing to values going down, right? At that time, it, there was there was nothing like that. Did you just flex on me at your at your home value being a million twenty? That was that's, you know, that was uh, no, no, holy bro. He's saying, he's saying that that's that was the what we bought it at. It's gone up. We since bought then. the Palazzo for a million twenty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and now now she worth a four million. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, look, point well taken. I get it, and this is this is the fear that's now being that's starting to get thrown around to potential buyers. Yeah, but you see how th- these fear theories are super convenient for realtors. Who yes, are trying to push and the that's what, and that's and that is what I told them. I said, look, I get it. You don't want to get your. You don't want to get emotionally I'm attached. Scare him into buying a home. Yeah, and watch out for those evil home buyers and investors who are going to flood the market and take your home from you. <laughs> what the hell kind of bullshit is this? Yeah, I know. And people buy it, man, and they and they really they they jump in. Here, here's the thing: it's like, look, I don't care about getting the best price. I don't. But how how disingenuous would I be if I told people one of the one of the things we're going to cover here? I'm not sure if I put it in here or not. Actually. Was that there's another individual? Oh no, it was I did put it in here. You didn't get in the notes. Okay, my bad. So I'll read it now. This is actually a good segue, even though we didn't plan on segueing because mm-hmm. sometimes Chris just does stuff because he's a zany, kooky guy. Mm. Um, let me see if I can find the article. Scrolling, 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 scrolling. Sorry, I know this is great for listeners. Just, just hum a song in your head. I don't even know what it is you're searching. I know you don't because I I posted it um before I came tonight. Uh, Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley says the stock market is, quote, disconnected from reality and it's going to hit bottom this spring. So now you got Jamie Dimon, you got mm-hmm. Michael Burry, mm-hmm. Morgan Stanley, right. Goldman Sachs, 
What else do you need to see? I mean, how many more do you need to see? Yeah. So reading from this actual post, Wilson, who I believe is, is uh, I want to say there's their chief economist or something like that. I have to figure out. Uh, Mike, Mike Wilson, chief U.S. equity strategist at Morgan Stanley. Okay, not chief economist, okay. but relatively close. He's a chief. Yeah, he's a chief. He's, he's, he's also hard. Yeah. Not the chief economist, the higher standard, however. No. Wilson sees the S&P 500 ending the year at 3,900 index points and about 4.7% below where the gauge closed on Friday with a rough ride to get there. He expects stocks to fall as earnings estimates come down before rebounding in the second half of the year. Okay. Wow. Only, but he, I mean, only 4.7%. I mean, that's, yeah, that, but that's, that's still that's, pretty optimistic. That, that's pretty optimistic. It, it's, I would say it's relatively conservative, but here, here's, here's the bigger, broader picture. Yes. If earnings season for Q1 and Q2 is going to be tough and we're expecting the second half of the year to rebound, Based on what? Yeah, what do you, exactly. And what? most people in his space are planning on the Fed cutting rates before year end. Yeah. And what does the chief economist of the higher standard have to say about that? Absolutely not. Hell no. That no. Happen. That's not going to happen. Hell not no. Only, not only that, everyone's going to, is in for a rude awakening when he raises rates, not only one more time, but a second time after that. Yeah, well, it's getting closer to consensus. It was close. It was, a, it was still around 80% last I checked for a May mm -hmm. Fed interest rate increase. Yeah. But March appears to be a and look, pretty significant for, consensus. For, for everyone thinking that that's, that's too much or that's out of reach or, or no way, look, the only way that Jerome Powell and the, all the voting members at the FOMC back off that message is, remember, he's in, they're in control of two things, monetary policy and unemployment. Unemployment has not changed. It, in fact, it's gone the other way. So it would... It would need unemployment to go so far the other way in order for him to be like, whoa, okay, hold on, this shit's getting fucked up. Part of my job is to keep jobs. I, I can't do that. But clearly it's not working. We had 517,000 jobs last month. Yeah, 3.4% uh, went the other way. Yeah, and then yeah. the unemployment rate went down from 3.5 to 3.4. So, look, he's gonna they're going to hold it because it's not showing up in the market. Uh, and I really don't think the CPI print's going to be good. I really don't think that it's going to be good tomorrow. It's tomorrow, right? Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. So they'll have the FOMC will have tomorrow's print and one more print before their next meeting. Um, so should be interesting to see how it actually turns out. I think more so than anything, I think they're not only looking at CPI, I think they're really paying close attention to that unemployment rate. Yeah, I mean, I think the unemployment rate, because we've talked about this before, the, the one thing that you don't have, you really have a supply shortage on is workers right now. Mm-hmm. So until that that balances out, I mean, the whole point of this whole thing, and I've gone, I've said this, God knows how many times in the show, is to draw liquidity out of the market, mm -hmm. to increase unemployment, to decrease wages, and to impact corporate earnings. Yeah, I'm not saying these are the direct intent; these are the natural byproduct of what the Fed is doing. These are just what happens. Right. And if they don't happen, the Fed increases interest rates more. Yes. Over time, and then. Mm -hmm holds them when they do happen right we haven't got to the point where they do happen and the fact that so many smart people in finance so many smart economists who've got experience who are decades older than us yeah are holding on to like these political bias assumptions saying well this is going to happen that's going to happen the force the feds gonna be forced stop right like these are the things that have to happen and until they do happen you're not going to convince the fomc they should back off their stance until things are moving the right direction. And people are, oh, my God, they're going to over-tighten. They have literally said, right? literally said, we are not afraid of over-tightening. 
Yeah. We're afraid of not doing enough. What else do you need this guy to say? I mean, yeah. the only thing he's got to say is, I'm raising rates until this number hits X. I yeah. don't care. That's the only thing he has yeah. to say. I'm bending Chris over. That's what he yeah. said. That's what I mean. Wow. That's what he, I mean. Cross the line, bro. There's a line? We have a line? I'm still raw from the laser <laughs> hair removal. I mean, that, that, that that's what he wanted. That's what he was looking for. <laughs> it's just... It's very it's emotional for me. So, yeah, man, I, I agree. Look, they've done anything and everything to let everyone know what their intent is. So it, it makes you feel like anyone that has a microphone that's telling you otherwise is their their pockets are getting lined up. I don't even think it's that. I think it's arrogance, man. Arrogance is nah, the, the older I've gotten, the more I realize like that bell curve of knowledge. Remember how like you start off in the beginning, you think you know everything, get to the top, you realize how much you don't know. Mm -hmm. And then you get to this point where you re you recognize there's a lot you don't know, but you want to learn more. Yes. I think people get stuck on the way up to the top of the bell curve and they think they know everything at a certain point. Yeah. I know that I'm, I'm a moron. Oh yeah. Me but I'm, I'm, I'm an inquisitive moron. I want to try to learn more. Right. right? Like that's fine. Like, and I know that there's people out there who are smarter than me. And a lot of these economists are smarter than me. I mean, I'm not a Nobel laureate like you. No, no. But no. what I am, is somebody who looks at this stuff objectively and says, that doesn't make sense. Math's no good. No. One plus one equals two, bro. You can tell me it equals four all you want. And I mean, as an underwriter, you just look at the historicals. You look at the inverted yield curve, right? You look at consumer credit card debt. You look at all these things that are flashing red. The LA Times uh, article where they cited the, uh, the Goldman Sachs, what the thing is that? No, it was Merrill, Merrill Lynch. Uh, Morgan Stanley. It was Morgan Stanley. God damn it, I always fuck that up. Yeah. That article, they actually talked about the yield curve. Yeah, a really powerful indicator. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. and you mentioned that you were one of the first people to mention that. Yeah, because, well, it's been inverted for so long, people are just, just lost on most people. And mm -hmm. most people, uh, granted, I sit in front of a uh, CNBC screen most days of the week. Right. And I'm watching just the treasuries and the numbers come up. Yeah. And I, the, I'll i never forget. So I used to walk into traders' offices and I'd see them watching CNBC. And I, it was like such a power move to even have a TV in their office, right? Mm -hmm. And then... Trader Joe's? Or? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No, not those kind of traders. No, uh, but if you do go, <laughs> <laughs> pick me up a snack. Yeah, um, and you know, as, as I turn the, the TV on and put it on the CNBC, it took me like probably a couple years, I would say, to really let it click. When you've seen the data enough times and you've seen enough market trends, you just got to be constantly close to it, and then it almost starts to jump out at you. It's like one of those pictures that you used to look like look at in the eighties. That you have to look at with your eye, you know, eyes all crossed at a certain distance and it would just pop out at you and it'd usually be something stupid. And you're like, I spent all those hours, it almost hurt my uh, vision to see it. You know what I'm talking about? I know, but that's how I found out I was colorblind. Oh, shit. <sighs> yeah, it was fucked up. I was in, yeah. I'll never forget, fifth grade science class. They had they had this thing where it was all the, the mix of colors and I'm looking at it and I'm trying to focus because I was able, they, they gave us two and I, I saw the first one and I'm trying hard to see the second one. I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see, and everyone's done. They got their hand raised, wanting to say who, what it is, and I'm just trying to play dumb. And I, I raised my hand too, just to act like I know. And she called on me. And you're like, it's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's irrelevant. No. And then I literally just didn't answer. And she asked me to say after class, and I was like, she was like, what was that? It was weird because it was very unlike me to just not answer it. I wanted to be like Mr. Know It All, always answer the questions. Yeah, still the same way. Yeah, still. Yeah. <laughs> Something's never changed. Yeah. Um, and then I just told her, I was like, I didn't, I didn't see it. And she got me tested to see it, and I was colorblind. And what colors can you not see? So purple and blue, I can't tell the difference at all. To me, it's just this, all the same, just different shades. Like one's a little bit darker, one's a little bit lighter. 
and huh. then and then sometimes yeah i don't know what the hell that, the sign is right now uh that's purple okay i have no idea so um, it looks blue to you or you i just say out? everything is blue because i would imagine i just think more things are what blue. color do you see though that's the thing i don't i what i see is is the color that i see it's not that what color do you see i don't know i don't know i guess i don't know what blue or purple is okay fine but when you look at that what do you see i said i would i would say it's blue just because okay. I think most things are blue. But then sometimes... Does it look blue to you? Sometimes, check this out. Sometimes red and green, when they're like mi mixed together. So like Christmas time, I get fucked up. <laughs> There's a lot. I'm driving around. I'm like, God damn it, people. Stop with your Christmas. <laughs> you know, stoplights are red and green, right? Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it as red or green. I, I see top, middle, bottom. No, you were never driving me anywhere. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. What do you mean? I can I, my attention to details way better than yours. That's not true. That's a hundred percent true. That's a hundred percent not true. Oh yeah. Just because you can't see certain colors means you have a better attention to detail than me. Yeah. Well, obviously they don't look the same. Is what I'm saying. I there. I know green and red on the stoplight for what I know it as. It's it's not that I see them as the same color. Wow. Yeah. So are there like Excel templates that really match you up too? Because it says like shady green and shit like that. <laughs> it's so messed up. Is it really? Right. No, no, no. I, did I train you on one that had like yellow and green? <laughs> you couldn't see those, huh? It was mainly yellow. I don't remember any green on there. There's a lot of green on there. <laughs> oh my god, that's why the green were cells that you couldn't, you shouldn't edit. The yellow yeah. are the cells that you should edit. Oh, that's why I'm always messing up the master template. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Huh. Yeah. Never get in the car with you again. Yeah. But yeah, no, back back to what you said. You're like you'd have to stay and focus on the you know yield curve to truly understand it. Yeah, and it, you pull it out over time, and it's not just the yield curve; it's the whole market. Mm -hmm. This whole like stock ticker thing and the market and the treasuries and everything else. If, if you stare at these things for long enough, and you spend enough time looking at behavioral economics that go into it, and what people do, and things that trigger things, mm -hmm. you start to the patterns start to jump out at you. Yeah. And and that's why people will stare at those screens the way they do. And you look like, what are you looking at? It's just a graph. Or it's just a chart. And they'll overlay certain types of data and other analytics. It's because they they they've now seen patterns. Now whether those patterns really mean something for investment purposes, that that's an individualized experience. And a lot of people guess that wrong. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you with stuff like the treasuries being inverted like this, I've never seen anything like it. And I've been in business for you know a pretty a pretty significant amount of years at this point in time. And that's because it hasn't been this yield. You haven't seen this kind of inversion for like forty years. Right. So we are, we are in truly unprecedented times, and we all want to believe that optimism is right around the corner. Right. Like your friend. Oh, you got to buy the house for all the investors. Jump back in, man. No, they didn't know. They were, they were asking because they are like, what are your thoughts on this? Because it doesn't seem right. Because they, obviously, they want to wait until they feel like houses are at their lowest point to, get, to well, save no, the most well, money. Okay, stop with that. Okay. Do they need the house now? Is the utility need there? I would, I mean, I would imagine. I mean, I'm not trying to give away the life story on the podcast, but. I could tell you better after the show. Well, if they need, I know they, if they I know need they, the house, I know they listen. If they need the house, then they should buy it. Yeah. The utility, the time value of money, you need to buy a house when it's important. That, that's why I let you buy the house when you bought it. Around. Right. But for, but for some people, it would require them to completely deplete their yeah. savings account. Well, if you can't afford it, that's a different conversation. Right. You need to lower, level set your expectations and, and buy what you can afford in this market right now. Right. If you need that utility. Yeah, but again, my wife and I live in eleven hundred eighty square foot, three story townhome over the garage. Right, mm -hmm. it's not super fancy. Do we have a need for it? Yeah, but has that utility guy, need outweighed? This guy, the audacity! It's not super fancy. Shit is decked out in restoration hardware. It's not super fancy. It's not. Come on, man. It's not, dude. 
First of all, all that was bought prior to nice, having though. our son. Tell me about the artwork on the walls. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. It's not super fancy. Oh, no. <laughs> I have, uh, <laughs> I have. I There's have... some really nice pieces, man. I really, really like those. You did a good Thanks, job man. with those. Thanks, man. Uh, those are all custom Shepard Farley, um, Farley, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Who's uh, famous for what? Famous for a lot of things. Okay. Do you know what he's famous for? I know you know what he's famous for. <laughs> Uh, he's done the a lot of the obey stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, he's he stands for a lot of things. I have uh, a number of limited edition, uh, first edition prints that that he's put together on the mm-hmm. wall. Uh, one of which is a Rock the Casbah print. Um, another one is uh Israel Palestine print. I love that one. Yeah, that one's that one's actually quite elegant. It's gold black, mm-hmm. uh, two different different shades of gold and black. Um, and then the third one is uh, a money one that I actually got in Laguna Beach. Yeah. He oh, really? A, he did a special event in Laguna Beach. I have uh, I got number one thirty three because I, it's off the one thirty three. Oh, wow! When I, when I went there, yeah. So, that's cool. Yeah, that, that's a whole whole thing. And then let's see. I have uh, oh, I have the dollar bills that he dropped from. So he went. I think it was in Chicago. It was a uh, MoMA there, the Modern Museum of Art. He dropped out of a helicopter these like fake bills mm-hmm. that are double sided, and most of them were destroyed because they land on the ground they were destroyed by everybody else but i have two that are mint like never touched no way uh, one from the front one from the back that you were there that you collected or you paid you bought them no i had, I had somebody that was there i bought them it. off i bought them off them wow I had them framed and put up yeah uh but my favorite piece is actually upstairs it's the, it's the the new york times from the day after the great recession the great recession so the great depression right and yeah october exactly. Not October 29th, 1929, the actual day, but the next day, October 30th. I remember you have to go through like crazy lengths to make sure that it gets preserved properly, right? Because it's a, it's an article and the, the ink could like start to fade. Yeah, the glass is UV resistant and it's gas filled. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole newspaper in there. It's so crazy. Uh, and then it's it's upstairs in a place that doesn't get any sunlight. Yeah. Back then it was like 11000 for that. So I have no idea how much it's worth now. No way. Yeah, it's got a tiny smudge on it, which kind of sucks, but. I mean, I mean it's, it's not, authentic. It's 100% real. It's just, yeah. you know, but I love the way I love the way some of these artists, man, go out of their way to like market their stuff so uniquely. You know, yeah, like, some like, do, some don't. Like Banksy. Remember that thing he did not too long ago when he sold some art piece like at a museum and then oh, right at an auction. Yeah. And then right after it sold, there was like some trigger went off and it just started shredding. The rumors are that he that somebody like it was remote controlled or wirelessly controlled and like mm-hmm. somebody with him or he was in the audience. Mm hmm. But nobody knows who it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's I love that. I love that kind of like pop cultural. Yeah, me too. You know, guerrilla marketing type type vibe. But uh, let's see here. Oh, <laughs> Ruin's looking it up. Uh, Fifty nine dollars. That's what it's worth now. <laughs> Web special. <laughs> the front page. Of the, that's just the front page. Um, I would go to eBay because you can't. The problem with a lot of these is, is you can't really rely on on these. And they're usually like copies or imitations, but. If you go to eBay and Google uh, New York Times, October 30th, 1929. Like you're, so you're never going to sell this thing. And no, knowing, no. knowing you, I know you're never going to sell what, what would happen if you're, you know. No, no, just, just the, the date, October 30th, 1929. If you're 80 years old in diapers, uh-huh. right? I would, know, I would give it to naturally, somebody. Naturally. And no, you give it uh, to your son, Carter. So here's one and, for. And Carter decides to sell it. 10000 Um. Yeah, it's it's that's the right one. It's the right headlines, but I wonder. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if there's really a market for it. But there's only one that's there, and it's for sale for sale for ten thousand. Yeah, they're probably all private auctions. But so the reason why I got this one, not the one from the twenty October uh, 29th, 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 
was because of the headlines that are on it. Mm. All the headlines are super positive. And the reason why um, that's important to me is like, so read the, the quote there, stocks collapse, blah, 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 but rally it collapsed to close, bankers optimistic. Yeah. And if you read all the articles on the front page of it, it's it's all optimism. And it, it remind, as a banker, it, it it's shocking to me that how polar it is from the day before we had the worst economic event in modern human history and to this day. Yeah. And yet the next day, the newspaper's all positive. And as a banker, we can have some very tough days. Mm-hmm. As all, all of us do, right? All of our jobs can get tough. You can come home and be like, this fucking sucks. Like, this is terrible. Right. This is such a great reminder that even the worst day in economic history can be followed with a lot of positivity. Yeah. So that's why I bought it. Mm. I know it sounds all cute and everything, but... The sun will come out tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> unless you live in New York or Austin. <laughs> yeah, or San Jose. Uh, or San Jose. It, <laughs> it now takes roughly 13 years to save for a down payment in New York and Austin. God damn. Time, mm-hmm. If that's the case, time to move out of New York and Austin. The amount of time it would take to save enough to put down 10% on a typical home in Austin rose from eight years in 2019 mm-hmm. to 13 years in 2022, according to estimates from the world's most unreliable source, Zillow. <laughs> the city was one of several Sunbelt sun belt boom towns, and I will talk about this in a moment, that saw home prices surge during the pandemic, driven in large part by an influx of tech jobs. Wow. It's not just Austin. People looking to buy in Miami, Phoenix, and Nashville, Tennessee will now have to save for an additional four years compared to 2019. So I'm assuming they're taking the average median salary, right? I mean, what do you? how do you even come up with these numbers? I mean, it's a Monte Carlo analysis of spending plus saving plus home costs plus rates. It's just... Plus wages. It's, right? it's a lot. Plus, yeah, wages. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it differently, okay? The Sun Belt, that region going from, call it, Texas all the way through the Midwest and up mm-hmm. had a massive growth. And for the first time... You started to see cranes in some of these areas for large multifamily product projects being built. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen that before. I think the deliveries in the Sun Belt region plus the influx of people were preemptive. And I think that's where you have a lot of risk if you own commercial real estate. I don't see the density picking up the way people really anticipated it. Yeah. And I, I don't think the work from home culture lasted as long as we thought it was going to. Three years is great. But, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I bet you a lot of people thought that, okay, this is the way of the future. Especially during that time, you started hearing more and more rumblings about the metaverse. It and is. And it is here to stay. Yeah. I've said it before. And I'll say it again. It, working from home is here to stay. Hybrid is here to stay. Mm-hmm. But not for all industries. Yeah. It depends on the sector. Right. Depends on the sector. Just depends on what's happening. Depends on the economic environment. People, people think that, okay, like these things are, are independent of the financial strength of the company. No. Mm-hmm. work from home will change depending on how good or bad your company it's a perk just like any other perk just like that kitchen that break room is stocked in a fintech environment it's a perk right let's work through the challenging economic times and let's get those perks back like i'll be the first person to say like yo we should get that back yeah right now you need this mm-hmm. that's just what it is it makes me think does it make you think it makes me think like about hairy arms? Your arms are really hairy, bro. No, bro. If I got you laser hair, average. Move, if I got you, no, that's not average. This, that's not, this not this average. This is not no. bad, man. No, if, if, I, if I took my hand yeah. 
and started spinning it on top of your hair, it would knot up. It would not knot up. It would not, dude, you got yeah. enough to knot up. Yeah. But let me, if I got you laser hair removal for your arms as a, as a gift, yeah, would you use it? No. Why? I would not. I'll, I'll send you the same girl that did my butt. I like, I like it. It's nice. Why? It's nice. It's not nice. It keeps you, me warm and fuzzy. If a balloon rubs up against it, you shock somebody. <laughs> I mean, you get it caught in zippers, I'm sure. Uh, it serves a purpose, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bank on evolution. I needed it for some reason. No. Yeah. Untrue. It's uh, why? Yeah, of course. Then I've evolved past you is what we're saying. No, you have not evolved. You took yourself out of evolution. You, my friend. That's not that's hurt. Are, you're, you're the reason why the human race is going down. Wow. <laughs> was that too Shit, much? That was too far. <laughs> too far. That was too far, dude. <laughs> Sorry, man. You're, you're messing up. You're messing with evolution. I know this is look at we're at hour and twenty two. Hopefully nobody's still listening to the show. So if they are, I got I got a left for you. A left, a left, a far left. Okay, I, got, I had some deep cerebral thoughts today because you, you had a long ass drive. I had a long ass drive. You can tell how long it is, yeah. right? So, I'm about halfway to Calexico today, God, right? God damn. And um, I started thinking about these spy satellites that we're seeing from China, and someone was like, "Oh, they're calling them objects now. They got to be aliens." And I thought, "Wait a minute! Every movie we've ever seen about aliens is wrong." What do you mean? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to explain to you why they're wrong. Well, the first one that they saw, that the reason why they said it was Chinese because it had Chinese print on the side of it. Did it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, China literally claimed it. They're like, yeah, it's, it's just not. No, no, no. It, it had Chinese print on it. Oh, did it? The one, the other ones that they, some of the other ones that they found had no, no prints on it. Well, and they, they've said they're just objects. And the one that originally was shot down in South Carolina was flying at 60,000 feet. Everything yeah. else was found at 40,000 and 30,000 feet. This is the commercial airline space. Your boy Trudeau came out. It was like, we successfully shot one down. Like, Technically, we did. I he know. Wor he worked with the U.S. to shoot <laughs> yeah. it down? Yeah. Did you hear that one of the missiles missed? It was a $400,000 missile? No. Yeah, that's your How tax you dollars at work, bro. How you, you going to miss a balloon? How you going to miss? Well, they haven't said I pay you not to miss. Well, they said it's a, quote, object. So what's interesting is one of them said there was like octagon shaped and it had like stuff and dangling down. It didn't sound like a balloon at all. Yeah. I don't really care one way or the other. Like, I'm not... I like I like alien stories, like the whole thing, but this is not the way aliens come here, and and this is how arrogant we are as a species, right? Yeah. Okay, go on. We're this. so arrogant. We we think <laughs> I know that this, this this ship's gonna fly here from hundreds of millions of light years away, and for the uninitiated, that's hundreds of millions of years away. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say they find some way, like if you're a Star Trek, Star Wars fan, to mm -hmm. travel at light speed. Yeah. That's still a pretty damn long trip. Right. Okay. They're going to get all the way here. They're going to have all the technology to do all this shit, and they're not going to send drones? That's what I was going to say. Thank right? you. So wait, you're telling me we know how to how to create a rocket or a satellite to go to outer space, yeah. but they're actually going to have to physically send an alien down here? We can send rovers to Mars. We can send drones overseas carrying missiles. Yeah. And they can't send a drone to be like, look at these humans. They're stupid. I don't want to go there. Yeah, let's, you, talk, let's talk with them Fred, you go. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's just <laughs> Fred. Yeah, yeah. They, they, but, they're drawing straws. But then <laughs> I, I started to get more cerebral because it's a long drive, right? Okay. I'm like, so we're so arrogant that every movie we ever had has like been placed in our meant. We, we've tried to put them in our technology position. Hmm. What would we do if we could get there right now? Well, we would start examining people and putting stuff up their butt, <laughs> right? Like, what what are we doing as a society, right? I know. Like, like what? Why would an alien want to do? They're going to dissect us. Why? They can just go get dead with versions of us from, from a morgue. Right. You know, like someone, oh, 
hey, Fred, somebody shot somebody. Go pick that body up. So we'll take it up in this and we'll dissect yeah, we'll it. we'll check it out. You're like, they don't have to like take I, humans that are alive and like work on them. Right. Like, exactly. We're so arrogant because it's the shit that we do to rats. Yeah. Like this is the kind of stuff that we do. So we think that ever. So first of all, that whole like thing is out the window. And then I started thinking about just human evolution in general. Do you do you realize that the only reason we can orbit the sun is it's a dwarf star? Mm-hmm. And that it's going to grow at, at over time, mm-hmm. over millions of years. Right. And eventually consume our entire solar system. Right. But the only exit strategy for humanity, if we want to live perpetually, and keep in mind, humanity is what, 3,000 years old? Mm-hmm. Maybe 4,000? I don't care. 100,000 if you want. Throw out a number. Right. The universe is hundreds of millions of years old. Yeah. Right? And, that, and there's hundreds of millions of different galaxies. That we can't even fathom how far away they are. I know. There's hundreds of millions of different galaxies with black holes that lead into maybe hundreds of millions of more galaxies. Like, yeah. what are we t- the, with the, the whole probability- alien race playing with drones and taking videos of us, apparently. I think, uh, I, who knows? I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about this once. He was like, is he there's- a douchebag or is he not? I don't like him. I want to like him, but he, I just I know, can't. I, yeah, he's very unlikable. But he said, the, why? The, the, the probability it's of their incredible voice, the probability of there being another you out there is greater than not. What? The probability of there being another Chris out there in some universe is greater than there not well, that's, being that's one. That's because there's so much space in the universe. That's not exactly my point. Yeah, and that's going to be one sexy motherfucker when they find him. I'll tell Damn, you right now. Yeah. It'd be interesting if you had like a really like nasty show called The Lower Standard. <laughs> <laughs> or it'd be, it'd be better if that, if that guy's living a better life with hair. And you're the guy with hair removal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you're the hairless one. Yeah, we brought yeah. it back full circle. Yeah, we did. It's the circle. Yeah, and, and and in that life, I'm doing the laser hair removal. I uh, I think that's that's a that's a pretty distant life, man. <laughs> that's not hundreds of millions of light years away. That's one gift card away, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hook you up. Yeah, I'm telling you, I can make that happen. It's, it's, it's so thing. awkward when you walk in there. It's all like girls trying to become hairless girls. Yeah, and it's just like I walk in. And I'm I'm just not like I'm already nervous with the full booty sweat going. Yeah. Cause I'm nervous. <laughs> full booty sweat when they're working on your booty. I know, I got a little swampy. <laughs> and I'm like it's just it's uncomfortable, man. The best part Yeah, hold on. I'll take your mic off me and I will allow you to speak. Go ahead. Yeah. The best part about you walking in, you're fucking six six. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's right? You're not visible. like an average height, like oh, five, I know. Nine, Dude, they're five, like, I know. Yeah, yeah, she's looking, she's like, fuck, I gotta work overtime. She's like <laughs> <laughs> did you pay for an extra large ass yeah. or a regular size yeah. ass? They yeah. look, at him, did you, they yeah, look at him and they're like, oh, he's Persian too. That's a lot of hair. Yeah. They're, 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 looking, they're, they're asking you, did you re- reserve two time slots? They actually did. Um, I got a touch up on my legs and my arms too. And, she's, and she, literally said, she literally said to me. This guy she, got a fade she, on she, his legs. And she literally said to me, she's like, ooh, yeah, we don't have a, we don't have enough time to cover all that area. Yeah. So you're going to have to pick one or two. I'm like, I want to do my back, my arms, my legs. She's like, yeah. We'll do your legs and see how much time is left. Were you like butt naked when it, like they judge you? They're like, ah, oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, oh. I, put my, I put my underwear back on, but then I pulled it up like to the groin area, which just didn't help. You got to, you got to <laughs> imagine. She just, she just was face to face. Dude, you got to imagine. Okay, hold on. You got to imagine what kind of inside jokes do they have in, oh, in these places? God. Oh, you know they're like as soon as I walk out. So I made a stupid mistake. I you, know a you know that you know that you know you're face down. You know what? You know they're taking photos. <laughs> Come on. No, 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 no. I can see you the whole time. No, no, no. Don't, you did not. No, no. I can see you the whole Come, time. Stop no, it. Stop. I can see the whole stop time. Stop it. I have my camera on. Listen, gonna, don't do this. FaceTiming you and everybody else. Um, but I will say, I made the stupid mistake of saying, like, you know, do other guys come in here? And, she go, and she's like, yeah. I mean, they, they do like, 
their lower neck and they, they do like <laughs> they, they, they do like you know like some of the the arms sometimes and mm-hmm. i'm like well, you know you know but but for this and she goes yeah nobody really comes in that like, guys don't come in for this yeah and so, i was like oh oh man so, so you had to think that that made her super uncomfortable well clearly she shamed me a little bit i mean i was i was like okay yeah, well, so like, fuck you make me do this for her. so i i jumped in and was like all right let's go the worst the worst part of the entire experience Shortly after I got off the phone with you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, maybe this was revenge. I don't know. <laughs> I put the phone down and she goes, okay, well, um, now that I've done the outside of your buttocks. No. no, I need you to open it up. No. <laughs> so I, I had to reach back with both hands and open it up. They don't right. have a clamp Dude, or that's something? Dude, that's a clamp. <laughs> I don't I'll leave this alone. I'll leave this alone. This, I feel like this is the line, and we just stepped over I it. Fully, I fully thought that whenever I did this, it'd be like a Korean spa, <laughs> you're like where you lay down, and then they'll Jesus. cover like the center with like a little tiny like wet towel or something. <laughs> you're, so you're, it's just not out there. You're but it was just out there. Like we're just letting it. I don't know. Women do this. Women do this all the time. You're a habitual line stepper. Uh, no, I'm. I'm sharing what people are afraid to share because I want no, other no. men. Who suffer with nope. hairy booties? Nobody wants to know to no. that there's 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 a future help. There's, nope. there's a path for you. Nobody cares if you if you just conform to the dark side. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. You were in the like one percent. No, my brother got it done. No, I just outed him. Follow <laughs> 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 okay, up so question. Funny. We talked about this last time. Did you shower before you got there? I didn't have time. No, I, I Chris. Didn't, I didn't have time. That's like not brushing your teeth before going know, to the dentist's I know, office. I, di- I didn't have time. Wow. I mean, I made sure I was. You're a bad person. No, I use wipes. I mean, <laughs> you use what? What are like, you? A, baby wipes. What are you? A six month old? I, I was in a rush, bro. What did okay, you want from me? Than, yeah, I got home. Like, what do you mean? It's I, better. No, no. Don't so, don't yeah, co-sign no, no. this. I'm Here's not what co-signing. Is, I'm saying it's I was in I was in Sherman Oaks that day. Then I drove to West LA. Uh, Westwood in, in uh, Wilshire, mm. and then drove from there to El Segundo, and I left El Segundo, and it was like five p.m. Uh-huh. I had to be there by six thirty or no six twenty. You're justifying. And no, I'm not justifying. I'm saying what happened. And then they called me like, "Can you come in early?" And I was like, nah, I'm I'm on the way back from my lay." Blah blah. blah. I said, I, "You know, I, I I'm trying not to piss anybody off because the last thing you want is some angry laser at your asshole." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you know what you know you know what they're gonna do. They're gonna intentionally miss spots so that you gotta come for a whole other session. No, you have to anyway. You know, I know, I know. But you're, you're gonna like have to. A, you're gonna go through six sessions and then be like, "Oh, it's still not done. You gotta I'm, keep coming." I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm not looking that 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 deep. <laughs> I'm not looking. Yeah. Yeah. Leave like a weird shape. Or you have to do on. annual touch-ups. No, no. You have, to, you have to go back every four to six weeks for like four to six sessions, depending on like your body. God damn. And then, um, and then after I've embarrassed myself that many times. Then you go back for touch-ups, right? <laughs> and oh, it's so bad. My wife is totally okay with this. I'm like, honey, why are you okay with this? Like, why? Why are you? She's the one who made the appointment for me. So, I can't believe you did this. I did it. All right, real. So let's just bring this back full circle. You got a segue? No, I don't have a segue from this. Let's just turn this around. <laughs> Hopefully, the listener that asked this question is still listening. So somebody actually reached out. We I know we didn't have a Q and A, but somebody reached out and they said that you know. They're a real estate investor, and they purchased uh, several uh, single-family residences, uh, properties, and they're ready to look into get into the multifamily space. Oh, cool! Um, but they're very interested in getting started, but don't know where where to start. Uh, do you have any reading material for them? Uh, yeah, uh, I like all the Bigger Pockets books. Uh, you can go to their website and pull them up there. There actually literally is a tab that says mm-hmm. books, and you can click down. Yeah. Um, 
there's a couple other ones that are that are NBA books, but I think uh, the real estate invest uh, investing books from bigger podcasts. Uh, I think David Green has got a good one, and the former host I can't remember his name off the top of my top of my mind, the guy who started it. Get a good book. Yeah, there you go. Visit the bookstore. That's what we have you here for. Mm-hmm. Uh, go down. Go down. Popular books. Go down. It's the one in the blue. Go down. Go down. There you go. There you go. Um, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeats an interesting one, but the rental property investing by Brandon Turner. That's his name. That's the book. It's the book on rental property investing by Brandon Turner. He used the guy who I think started Bigger Pockets, and he now has a syndication uh, structure in I think Hawaii where he lives. Nice. But Brandon's book is 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 pretty good uh, for somebody who's getting into it and kind of a starting point. Nice. Yeah, okay. I think I think that was that was more colloquial and less like MBA focused, business focused. It's more of like, hey, if you're getting into it, this is what you do. I like that. I do like uh, the Burr pro- the Burr book by uh, Rehab uh, Rent Refinance and Repeat. Mm-hmm. That David Green wrote. Uh, Thatch Nguyen's a big advocate of that. That model does work in this market. It's not ideal, but in other mar- in other markets, in great times, you know, mm-hmm. not so bad. It's a good way to get started in it, right? Yeah. These are relatively ch- cheap. I mean, look, Brandon Turner's books, twelve ninety nine, down from seventy two ninety seven. Shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the Burr book is fourteen ninety nine. So these these are not expensive books. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. All right. Any other questions? Or is that it? That was it. That was just I, I meant to bring it up on the last episode, and it slipped my mind. Well, let's talk about a couple of reviews we got from some very gracious and, frankly, just awesome human beings. Honest human beings. Honest human beings. One from Donut Queen ninety four five. Honest stars. Mm. Great podcast. Great financial informative podcast with a touch of humor. Touch just a little bit and a little bit of ass. <laughs> I highly recommend the Higher Standard Podcast. If you're looking for current non-biased information or informative finance news, you found the perfect podcast. Mm. And for a guy who can't read. That's me. Good for you, man. Yeah, I'm I'm learning. You you nailed that. You read Suff Monies. Suff Money. All right. Uh, Daily Dose of Laughter and Current Events. Can't say how much I enjoy these two. I have my notifications on for whenever the newest episode drops. Thank you, Suf. Because it's honestly how I stay aware of what all is going on. And for those of you that are listening that don't have your alerts and notifications on, please do. Yeah, turn those notifications on. Yeah. And if you don't, shame on you. Yeah, I will find you. Find you. I don't have the patience to constantly read news articles and turn on CNN. Damn. CNN catching strays out here. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> they, they had their day. <laughs> yeah. But this podcast gives me my economic news fix, and I get a few good cackles from Mr. Sultry and that other guy. They're talking about you, Arun. (laughs) (laughs) Sub money, plus one, gained gained some love from me there. I think his name is Chris. To start off my day, these guys need to be on YouTube or something as well. Would love to see some of their facial reactions when they take jabs at each other out of nowhere. When are you guys doing that? So I, I actually was thinking about this. Um... That third camera is allegedly shipping at the end of this month. That being said, we could easily set up the two cameras and just get it started. And just throw in a third one, yeah. Yeah, we, we just need the cable. We need uh, a couple HDMI cables that are longer for, actually, yeah, just for the uh, for the outside production spot, which Arun, you would be in. Mm-hmm. A couple for the mics, because the, the switchboard would be out there with you. Mm-hmm. But then after that, that's it, really. We just put the cameras in here. We have all the rest of the equipment. And we need one more tripod. God, I can't only imagine the hate comments we're going to get. Yeah, it's going to be bad. It's because be I bad. make really weird facial expressions when I'm making fun of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then, dude, you can't. 
you can't be giving that microphone saying handies while you're talking to me Listen, now. You it's, it's very off-putting for the audience, too. No, it, I've been trying to groom you whatever, for the day that we're on camera. What, Stop doing that, dude. It's just so not appropriate. Whatever, whatever it takes for people to leave comments. No, that, you is, understand. that is not it's, the way. It's, yeah, it's, and by the way, shame on both of you. I ask for comments, and what do you two post? Nothing. Well, okay, I got no follow. What do you mean? I got zero followers. You got, look, some of the people that follow me now follow. They jump ship. Yeah. Mr. 40-some thousand. Matthew Hayes still only talks to you now. He doesn't talk to me. Love me some Matthew Hayes. Yeah, I know. But you yeah. don't respond to his text, man. No. I mean, you, I, he told me he was upset with you for not responding. No, that's not true. I did respond to no, him. He's he sends me some valuable information. Yeah, he's upset with you. All right. Is this the next one? Uh, yeah. Aman Mushtari. You got this one? You sure? I feel like you're going to fumble this. This is a big paragraph. <laughs> Definitely worth a listen. <laughs> if you're interested in hearing about a robbery. <laughs> You can't even do it. <laughs> you can't do it. He's like, oh, shit. like, damn it, it's so big. <laughs> I got it, bro. No, 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 get it. Shut up. Just, just don't look at me while I'm doing it. <laughs> if you're interested in hearing about a broad range of topics from finance, business, economics, some back and forth roast slash banter, and pretty much a touch of everything going on in today's world, these Saeed and Chris... These Saeed? That's what it said. Okay, it's not me. Yeah. These Saeed and Chris... Are definitely worth a listen. You can sense they are genuinely care about giving. I fucking give up. Keeping the audience entertained every second of the way and invest a lot of energy in bringing interesting, relevant topics your way. I listen to this podcast on my way home and it keeps me occupied and entertained. Plan on adding any interesting guests in 2023. Yeah. Um, here's a problem for guests. And, and this is this is me being forthcoming with the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh we record, so this is a Monday night at 9 p.m. when we started. I don't even know what time it is. What time is it right now? Right now, it is 11.25. 11.25. It is really hard to get guests to commit to the same schedule that we're available to record. And while we could be a little bit more flexible with our time, uh, it's really, really difficult to find time during the day because we're all fathers and we all have other things that we're doing. So right. getting guests on that are not personal friends is, is challenging at the time. Yes. So- that therein lies the biggest challenge. Now, if we had a sponsor, who could? <laughs> That's a great segue. Yeah. Well done, sir. Who, who could, uh, you know, foot the bill for some of those times? Yeah, relieve us of our day duties. We we may be willing to bring you some very famous and cool people. Yeah. Although not Mark Zandi, certainly not Dave Ramsey. Definitely not. Mark pretty Sandy. much. Pretty much. Nobody from Zillow. No. Um, <laughs> Definitely not the CEO of Better.com. No, no. Uh, we're going through our hit list. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just telling people that we will not be on the show. Yeah. Know, so, I mean, not those people, but everybody yeah. else for yeah. a game. Exactly. Yeah. All right. But soon, though. Soon. Yeah, soon. We should probably, let's, let's just let's just start with getting this show set up for some video. Yeah. One, step, one step at a time. Just one step at a time. That's not a song. I know, but it sounded sexy <laughs> when I said it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we have for the show. I've, you've heard ramblings. We, let's see. Talked about my butt. Talked about uh, some finance stuff. Yeah. Talked about the housing market. Some great reviews. Yeah. And uh, we, we managed to stay sober. Ish. I, I had a beer. We've, we've been. Had, had oh yeah, you did. Yeah. We've been relatively sober. Yeah. We've been doing. We've been doing good. Okay. Well. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. I just said that. No, that's my yeah. sign off. Shut up. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. 
This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.